The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is one of those facilities you can feel the fans, the noise, the excitement. Let's get ready to rumble! Drivers, starter, engine! Saturday night, racing under the lights. It's Bristol, baby! Zaslowski slow, left front tires down. Already some bumping going on. Things happen very quickly here in Bristol. A lot of damage to both the 3 and the 33. Thunder Valley changes. It's a major shift. The speed, the chaos is Bristol at its finest. Big wreck for the 24 of Chase Elliott. Hard into the wall is the 34. At this point, the race is no more given. It's only taken. Down the back stretch for the final time. starting to fall here in the Coliseum. He will bow to the crowd with that checkered flag. Sweeping the triple header weekend at Bristol, Kyle Busch did it again. On Wednesday, he overcame a speeding penalty to win in the truck series. In Friday's Xfinity series, he was again busted for speeding, but in the end, again victorious. Then, in Saturday's Cup race, Busch outdueled his former protege Eric Jones to score his 40th win at NASCAR's top level and broke out the broom in Thunder Valley. Now, the three-way race sweep doesn't happen very often. Neither does a total eclipse of the sun. We have a lot to cover here on the Monday edition of NASCAR America. Hi, everyone. I'm Kelly Stavis, alongside a couple guys who are certainly in the dark right now. You guys usually bring so much light to all the subjects we cover. I was ready, Kelly. They told me I could damage my eyes. I've been wearing them all day. I don't dare take them off. Steve Latart, Jeff Burton, glad to see you're properly prepared for the eclipse. Yeah, I wonder why they said traffic would be so bad. I guess if you wear these glasses, you're going to be in a wreck, because I cannot <laughs> see a thing. All right, Kyle Busch didn't win a race in 36 races. Now he's won two of the last four. Do you think the rest of the field's getting a bit nervous? Well, I don't know if they're nervous, but they're definitely paying attention. The 18 made a statement at Bristol just because, not just because they won, but how they won. They won with pretty dominant fashion, good car, really good driver, really good execution. That's something we hadn't seen out of the 18 all summer long, but they really have shown up the last few weeks. Yeah, we wondered about that. We wondered, you know, aloud, if once this team won a race, would they right. just start clicking them off? And they keep putting themselves in position to win. But this weekend was, it was fun to watch. I mean, it was a lot of fun to watch him go out and take those wins, get the three-peat. That's uh, that's just making stuff happen. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a special weekend for sure. Well, let's take a look at how Kyle Busch got it done in the Bristol night race. Well, the rookie Eric Jones started from the pole for the first time in his cup career while Bush was looking to sweep all three Bristol races for a second time. And at the end of stage one, Kyle Bush and Kyle Larson were battling it out for a precious playoff point. It was a heck of a battle. The 42 Kelly had blocked the 18 a couple times. Finally, the 18 had enough, kind of put the bumper to the 42, moved him up, and then he gets stuck in lap traffic and loses second to Eric Jones. So from first 
to third in about a quarter of a lap. Yeah, Eric Jones slid in to finish second in that stage. Then late in stage two, after Austin Dillon's wreck, Matt Kenseth decides to stay out, and Jeff Kenseth gets a great restart. It was a great restart. What a great call to be able to get that stage point. Remember, they're in a tight battle trying to get in the playoffs, and it did not hamper their ability to win the race as the race moves. They got 10 points for winning that stage. Then with less than 60 laps remaining, the Toyotas, look at them, dominant. One, two, three, all battling it out for the lead. Yeah, they are Toyotas, and a couple of them are teammates, but they did not race as teammates, and I love to see this. It showed three drivers wanting a win, two drivers needing a win. Eric Jones and Matt Kenseth knew that their playoff hopes were on the line, but they couldn't hold off Kyle Busch, who not just passed one, but two of them in one move. Yeah, he takes them both off to get the lead, but then Kenseth and Jones, they had their own battle for second. Yeah, such a great battle. Eric Jones has been running the bottom of the racetrack all night long, had to move up to the top later in the race, and then went back to the bottom to get by Matt Kenseth. Matt Kenseth had a problem with this car on long runs or get tight. Eric Jones took advantage of him. Big deal to try to get yourself in second because now you're that much closer to the win. Yeah, then with under 13 laps to go, we saw Eric Jones closing in on Bush, but both of them running into lap traffic. Well, they did, but then Kyle Bush did what Kyle Bush is known for, which is aggressive moves in traffic. He was elbow ups like a gorilla through those lap cars. Yeah, pretty impressive move there. Jones, uh, Bush holds off Jones to get his sixth cup win at Bristol and, of course, completed the weekend sweep. Now, Kyle Busch becomes the 18th driver in Cup Series history with 40 career victories, and he completed the triple at Bristol for a second time. Eric Jones falls just short of his first Cup win after leading a race-high 260 laps. Denny Hamlin, Matt Kenseth, and Kurt Busch rounded out the top five. Among the notable finishers, points leader Martin Truex Jr. had a chance to clinch the regular season championship, but he did not after finishing 21st. Kyle Busch is second behind Truex in the points, but on Saturday night, he was second to none. Marty Snyder caught up with him. That one seemed to mean a lot more, Kyle. Holding up the three fingers. That one seemed to mean a lot more. You said, take that. Why was this one, this triple sweep, so special? That one was a lot harder. <laughs> uh, man, Eric Jones put up a whale of a fight. I had That was all I had. I was running with my tongue hanging out. My arms are jello, and my throat hurts. But, uh, man, that's awesome. Just uh, can't say enough about everybody on my Joe Gibbs Racing team. Adam Stevens and the guys are phenomenal. Um, Car might not have been perfect, but uh, I'm, I never, I'm never perfect. I never feel like we're perfect. Um, but this Caramel Camry was fast. So, uh, so proud of these guys. So proud of my team. So proud of Joe Gibbs Racing. So proud of Rowdy Nation. This one's for you. Obviously, the fans love it. There are some boos, though, and you kind of feed off that, don't you? I don't care. Make the noise. Who cares? is now up to 20 playoff points. Good for second in the Monster Energy Series playoff standings. Chase Elliott, Matt Kenseth, and Jamie McMurray still hold the last three open playoff spots. But the bubble battle could have looked much different. We'll explain that later on. 
So, guys, it's the second time now that we've seen Kyle Busch do a triple header sweep. As two guys who worked in this series for so long, give me a sense of just how hard this is to accomplish, how big a deal it is. Well, I'm not sure anybody even dreamt the triple up until Kyle Busch accomplished it. But the way he's gone about it is really what's encouraging to me. I, Whether you like Kyle Busch or hate Kyle Busch, you heard the crowd. They're cheering, and they're cheering because he is doing it his way. He's making the comments, the brash comments, but backing up on the racetrack. And in sports, Jeff, I, I mean, that's what gets me fired up is you see somebody who can perform at this type of level. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and by the way, kind of rubbing it into the people that don't like you. I mean, you know, that's part of sports too. Part of sports is going to an arena, going and watch a team that you really want to win and right. pull against another team. That's what rivalries are all about for the fan base as well as for those doing it. So, you know, I think, too, I think for Kyle Busch winning in his own truck, uh, you know, a company that, that he's built, I, I think that matters. I think that means something because, you know, you have blood, sweat, and tears in that, even a little more so than you do for when you drive for someone else. So to win in all three series on the same weekend, uh, that's a very, very difficult thing to do. I was lucky to do two Won the Xfinity race and a cup race, but never, that's I can't imagine enough. winning three. That's hard enough. He didn't make it easy on himself either with those speeding penalties you got to go back yeah. through the field in the truck series and again in the xfinity series but, but you have to wonder if he learned from those two races because you know the truck series he came through pretty quickly the xfinity we thought it was going to be a little more difficult but he really came through that field very quickly as well but you know marty snyder reported at the start of the cup race how adam stevens and kyle had discussed where he was caught speeding on pit road it was the same in both races they chose their pit stall in that segment purposely for that so while people are not a fan of kyle bush running those you know beginning races the weekend mm -hmm. It's helping him. Right. There's no argument. He runs better when he's in those race races earlier in the weekend. I think it showed that he didn't make any mistakes on Saturday night. They chose one strategy opportunity to come get tires that gave Matt Kenseth the opportunity to win that second stage. But other than that, this 18 car was to the front all night long. Yeah, and he didn't just drive away from this field. I mean, right. it wasn't like no. he just had the fastest car. He's going to go out and dominate and lead all the laps. I mean, he had to go beat Matt Kenseth. He had to go beat Eric Jones. Eric Jones on a night where it looked like he was going to win the race. It right. looked like he had the best car for the majority of the, the race. He had to go and get by him. He had to go run the bottom of the racetrack, and he had not been running the bottom very much to get by Eric Jones. So I just I, I understand that he's controversial. I understand that some people just don't like him because he has a brash personality, and he, and he is who he is, and some people aren't going to like that. I just don't know how you can't respect right. his ability and the things that he makes happen on the racetrack and also the things he's done in his own program with the truck thing and giving people an opportunity. Yeah, he's definitely a polarizing individual for sure. But, you know, it was almost like he ca called his shot after he won the truck race. Kyle talked about going for the sweep. It was uh, a lot of fun to, uh, to come through the field like that. It kind of gave me some ideas about the rest of the week. Probably showed a bunch of stuff too, but... Um, that's what it's all about, man. This is the start of a triple, so hopefully we can get it. And so we heard a bit of it there, to his point. Yeah, there are takeaways. Even they're very different races and, and vehicles, takeaways from the truck series. Well, at the top of the show, you asked, hey, should the other teams have taken notice because he's won a couple races? Is he a championship contender? It's not what he's doing by going to victory lane that really resonated with me. It was that. Okay. It was on a Wednesday night in the middle of the week at a truck race at Bristol. After he wins the race, he gets out, and he instantly talks about the triple. It's, it's on the forefront of his memory. It's on the forefront of his mind that he wants to go accomplish this again. I think if Kyle Busch can find out whatever mental state he was in this weekend, he was mentally ready to win these three races. And I think when you look at Kyle Busch, talent is never in question. It's can he stay composed when things go wrong to bounce back and try to win a championship. He was magnificent in his championship year coming back from injury. Right. We both commented that he seemed like a new driver. 
Talent's never in question. It's mental composure. He showed it this weekend three times in victory lane. If he can do it all summer, Jeff, I think, or the end of the summer, I think he is going to have to be a championship favorite. Oh, I don't, I don't say you can not say. If you look at the laps that they've led, you look at the, the races that they put themselves in position to win, they've lost a lot. I mean, honestly, if you look at how many races they had a chance to win and didn't win. They've lost more than they've won. I mean, I, yeah. so so that's really important. I mean, moving into the playoffs, he's going to have a little bit of a point buffer. He's going to have a little bit of an opportunity to go race head-to-head with Martin Truex Jr., which is the way I see it kind of mapping out between those two. And I think on a, in a three-race schedule, Kyle Busch will be very difficult to deal with. Yeah, and as we talked about earlier, a lot of discussion about whether or not a lot of these Cup guys should be racing in the lower-tier series. Well, Kyle visited the set after the race on Saturday and answered the question, why does so much, why he does so much truck and Xfinity racing? Those people, like, do you like going to work? Do you yeah. like your job? Do you want to work extra hard? Do you want to do a good job for all of those around you that make the company successful? Well, then you're going to go out there and you're going to run other races, you know, and, and things like that. And for me, I enjoy my job. I love racing. I love race cars. I want to go out there and do the best I can in anything that I do. And I'm also helping, I feel like, facilitate people through the sport as well, too. You know, Kyle Busch Motorsports has actually sent, I think it's plus of 15 people from our place through the Xfinity shop to Joe Gibbs Racing that are working on our cup cars. And I'm not easy on people either. They'll yeah, tell yeah, you, if, yeah. if you ain't good enough and you get, you know, out the door and you got to go work somewhere else, otherwise, you know, a lot of good people, I'm hard on them. And I tell them when they screw up, I tell them when they do wrong, and, and they do the same for me. But the cool opportunity about that is, is they get better. They work harder, they know, and they're like, okay, we're going to listen to this guy, we're going to do our job, and, and they get to go on up the ladder. All right, well, Steve, you started by sweeping floors over at Hendrick Motorsports. How do you think you would have liked to go to work for uh, Kyle Busch Motorsports? Well, I work for Abraham, and I can assure you, in the heyday, Ray Abraham was as intense as anyone out there, including Kyle Busch. But I, I have to think that the people that don't want him to be in these lower series are just because they don't want to see him win all the time, because I feel that Kyle's in it for all the right reasons. Never do I think it is a sponsorship thing. Never do I think it's a business-only decision to put money in his pocket. He races because he wants to race and wants to win. I don't think we should overlook that the severe injury he received breaking his legs was in an Xfinity car. Yet, when he healed back up, he was back in the trucks and the Xfinity. That tells me, Jeff, he's there for the right reasons. And perhaps we should all be thankful that he wants to run Cup. Because if he only ran Xfinity, I'm sure the Saturday <laughs> races wouldn't, wouldn't be as, as much excitement. Well, I think that's part of his motivation that some people don't want him in Xfinity and trucks. He's like, okay. I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? Like, he's just, he's just that kind of guy. Right. He's that kind of guy. Right. He'll be like, okay, I'll show you. You know, you don't want me in here. I'm going to show you what happens when I am here. So, listen, I, I this debate about Cub drivers and Xfinity and trucks, it'll go forever. The only way to make it go away is to make the drivers not go at all. Right. That's not the right thing to do. The series needs Cub drivers. How many races? I, I mean, you know, we right. can debate that all day. But I can promise you that the reason that Kyle, Kyle, there's not enough money in the Xfinity series to go and make tons of money as a race car driver all compared to what you're making in Cup, right? he's doing it because he wants to do it. It's right. not about the money. It's about the opportunity to sit in a race car, the privilege to sit in a race car that can win races. Now, everybody thinks that's a given for Kyle Busch, but it's not. It's right. not a given that you're going to sit in a race car that can win races on a Friday or a Saturday or a Sunday. And if you have that opportunity to do that and you love to race, why not do it? And right. now, I get the question about should he be there or not, but from his personal standpoint, it is a privilege to drive a winning race car, so why not do it if you have that opportunity? Well, let's not forget, Kelly, Eric Jones, the young man he was battling with on Saturday, he found running a late model race. Right. So it's not even just Xfinity and trucks. If there's four tires, 
Kyle Busch will come driving, and that tells me that he's a race car driver. And I love the fact that he even will go get beat. He, he doesn't yes. have to win. He'll go run second, third, or fourth. And he hadn't won a super late, super late model race in years. And, and listen, no one complains. When he goes to when he goes to Pensacola Speedway or he goes somewhere and runs a Hickory Motor Speedway, people aren't in the thing saying he shouldn't be here. They <laughs> come watch him race. It's good for late mile racing. It's right. good for it's good to bring people in to see what what happens at Hickory Motor Speedway on a Friday night or a Saturday night. Right. It's good for and nobody complains about right. it. Not a driver, not a car owner, not a crewman. I never hear it. And trust me, I'm I'm there plenty of times. <laughs> I never hear anybody say he shouldn't be here. Right. I never hear it. I think he'd go racing in a shopping cart if he thought he had a chance to get to victory lane. All right, we still got a lot of ground to cover today, including a terrific run by Eric Jones, very nearly pulling off his first ever win in the Cup Series. His second place finish was a career high. And we'll hear, hear from Kyle Larson, who unveiled a new sponsor today. He'll talk about his respect for Kyle Busch and size up his championship hopes. The momentum heading into the playoffs. Who has it? Who needs to get it back? We'll discuss those playoff drivers who need to get in gear. And we'll find out if Steve and Jeff were wearing their special glasses during today's historic solar eclipse. NASCAR America is brought to you by new Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for one full year. Formula One is on NBCSN. It's Vettel versus Hamilton versus Al Rouge as the world championship hits Belgium. That's life at the speed of Formula One. The Belgian Grand Prix Sunday at 7.30 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN. All right, last week at Michigan, rookie Eric Jones matched his career best finish by coming in third. Two nights ago in Bristol, he did one better, finishing second, and he gave Kyle Busch all he could handle. And now, Bristol, here is the driver in the pole position at number one. What's up, Bristol? Eric Jones, driving the 77 five-hour energy Camry. Ready to put on a good show for you guys. And Kyle Busch coming out of four, he'll win stage one. Yeah, Eric Jones. Jones will finish second. Yeah. As they come down pit road, who will be first off, Rick? Well, the race off pit road, Eric Jones wins the race off pit road. And a big win for Eric Jones and his team. They've struggled on pit road early in this year to have a pit stop in this race to get them the lead. That's a big win for that team. Because Eric Jones has taken the lead away from Kyle Busch. And so once again, Eric Jones out in front. He's led 87 laps already. Eric Jones didn't seem to like that high line when the 18 and the 20 went by, but Jones is going to hang on to the second spot. The fastest car on the racetrack right now is that 77 car of Eric Jones. He has been faster than Kyle Busch the last two laps. Does he have enough time? That's the question. So with the laps winding down, the opportunities continue to dwindle for Eric Jones to get his first ever win. Although you see the gap, Kyle Busch also fighting to get by lap traffic. Eric Jones, the runner-up. He led 260 laps tonight to Kyle Busch's 156. It is what it is, you know. At this point, we um, we raced hard all night. We led a lot of laps. We did almost everything we needed to do, and uh, we qualified in the pole and ran second. So I wish we would have had a little bit more. It's it's a bummer, you know. We, uh, it's a great weekend for us. You, you can't take that away. The five-hour energy camera was fantastic, but... You still wish you could have had that little bit more to grab the win. So that one would have meant a lot to us. But um, 
we'll just have to keep after it. You know, it's two good weeks for us, and we're going to keep fighting and uh, keep going after these wins. You have two good tracks coming up for you. Can you repeat the feat but get it one better at Darlington or Richmond? Well, I hope so. You know, Bristol was, um, I felt like, one of our best shots to win, and it showed. I felt like we let a ton of laps and just didn't have, you know, quite enough when it mattered. I, uh, I wish we would have freed it up a little bit more. We, um, we got up on the top there, and it really seemed like who was ever out front was going to win. So um, just didn't have quite enough. Well, he had enough for 260 laps that he led. And mind you, he was contending against two former champions in Kyle Busch and Matt Kenseth. Came up just a little bit short. But what impressed you most about his performance Saturday night? Well, I think that it's just been a consistent upward trend since the start of the year. That there have been a few little flat spots, but the last few weeks continue to go up. I didn't have him on my radar as a potential pole sitter or a potential winner. Um, while he has shown some highlights, I thought somewhere in the top five is going to be a good run for the 77 car, but Jeff, very early in the night, it became clear that a good run wasn't just what the 77 had in mind. It was a win. And Kyle Busch kind of led the way through traffic, but you see right here, Eric Jones, he wasn't getting beat through traffic by much. He drove those last few laps much more like a veteran than a rookie. Oh, he did a great job all night. I, I thought that his commitment to the bottom of the racetrack, and his, they talked about making changes to the car so they could run to the top, but the racetrack... Staying good all night long. Great job by the racetrack. But him saying, you know what? I know some people are up there running, but I like my car right here. I, I, I like that move. I like the fact that he, he went down there and got committed to something. Because when you chase everything, you, it's hard to be anything. So I, I just thought he did such a really good job. Uh, really, he didn't lose a race because of a mistake. I just yeah. think they got outrun a little bit on that last run. Yeah. He got beat a little bit. Got beat by someone that is really, really good at Bristol. Well, there are a few guys certainly happy to see Kyle Busch in yeah. victory lane because, as we talked about, as Eric Jones was leading, and if he had won, it would have really put a wrinkle in the playoffs picture. There was a few times during the race that we put up the points, and it completely shocked both Jeff and I what it looked like. So you see on the left side, it's very clear that's what happened. Kyle Busch won. Ryan Newman, Kane, Dylan, they're in. And you see that while the bubble exists, Clint Boyer at 58 points over two races, it's looking like someone's going to have to win to change that up. But if a win does happen, look right. how much it changes it. If Eric Jones Crazy. would have won, you move him up. Well, not only does it add him to the playoff picture, Jeff, but it makes Elliott's lead basically gone. Matt Kenseth has three points. That's gone. McMurray's only three points behind. And I really believe, much like I didn't have Eric Jones on my radar for Bristol, I think we have we are forced to put him on the radar. Darlington? Maybe, maybe not. Tough racetrack. We'll see. First time there in a cup car. But Richmond, this is a short track racer going to a short track. So I don't know if Eric Jones can be ruled out at any of the upcoming two tracks. Well, it clearly shows you that all those guys racing for that last spot, they're not going to have a good time this weekend. I mean, no. I know it's an off weekend, but they were a few laps away from being put in a position where they have to not just get consistent finishes, right. not make mistakes, but perform at a high level. And one win away in Kelly. What we don't know is what if that win comes at Richmond? If it if it would have come this weekend, then you're like, okay, this is the situation we've got. A couple races, but to if recover. it happens at Richmond, right? And and Eric Jones or or Dale Earnhardt Jr. or somebody like that wins the race, then everything that you did in that race, everything in the body of that race is going to come into question. Yeah. And that's when that's when it gets very difficult. So how do you race Richmond? How do you go into Richmond? Do you go into Richmond thinking I got to go win? Do you go into Richmond? I got to be a consistent finish. All this great plan until somebody wins that's not, <laughs> not in the current playoffs, and then all your plans go out the window. Remember, it was every team's goal for Richmond to be enjoyable. Yep. Right, right. There's 12 of them yep. that are going to have a great time. There are four, five, six other ones 
that it's going to be it it's going to be a very very stressful weekend. Well, and it makes it juicy for us. Uh, so I listen, love it. Looking forward well, to these and, next two. And, and Kelly, the other thing is, when people get put in a situation where they have to win, it's amazing what they're willing oh. to do. Right. So now you have a whole group of cars and drivers and teams that are in the situation that I have to win. That's right. And in many cases, there's nothing that you can do as that as that play that team that's 15th in points mm -hmm. to counter that. Right. Except go win the race. Yep. And so now that puts a lot of people in the position of saying, okay, we have to win this race. Yep, the list keeps getting longer of those <laughs> must-win situations. All right, well, coming up, we'll check in on the drivers that are already in and which ones should be worried about an early exit. We'll discuss when NASCAR America returns. Welcome back. Over the last few weeks, we've gotten some really cool views from drivers wearing the helmet cam. This past weekend, it was Clint Boyer wearing it in the Monster Energy Series race. A Boyer finished 19th. That with Matt Kenseth's fourth place finish, it was not a good night for Clint. He now sits 58 points back of the final playoff spot and likely needs to win either Darlington or Richmond to make it in. All right, meanwhile, there are 13 drivers who are guaranteed a playoff spot by virtue of a win. Those drivers uh, on that graphic were highlighted in yellow, but we've talked about some of the guys at the top of the chart. Those trying to get into the party. All right, what about those guys who are now in on a win? but really need to generate some momentum if they're going to actually get out of the first round of 16. Well, Kelly, the four that strike me and Jeff, you and I have had this conversation. Look at Kurt Busch in 10th, back to Austin Dillon in 13th, all with five playoff points. What that means is their only playoff points have come from their win. Right. They have not scored a single point in a stage victory. They haven't won any other races. So when I look at those four, Jeff, I have concern that the first round of the playoffs is going to be an uphill battle. Oh, I agree. I think, that, I think those four are the ones that – that are going to have the toughest time. But I'm going to add Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in that as well. I mean, we just have not seen the performance from them, although he ran very well on, on Saturday night, didn't quite get the finish. But I just don't know that they can go and compete like they need to compete. The guys that are behind them in points that aren't in yet, right. they perform better, better. Than, than, those, than those four that have won races. So once these playoffs start, it's going to be – a battle between, I think, those eight guys to who who can move forward into the next round. But is it too late for these guys to? Can you can you generate any momentum with two weeks to go? Would a couple strong finishes or a couple playoff points change your perspective on some of those guys? I think at this point, it's not about momentum. It's really about what it looks like when they show up at Chicago. Uh, okay. Darlington's so unique. It's mm -hmm. such a challenge of a racetrack. Five hundred miles of the Southern Five Hundred. Um, maybe some engine stuff, maybe a little aero stuff, but any sort of setup ideas don't really correlate to Chicago. They're totally different. Richmond is going to be a bar fight all night long in the short track, which is a little bit like New Hampshire, but the setups still don't correlate. I really think they need to be looking ahead. At this point, I don't think it's about momentum. I think it's about equipment. And okay. I think what these teams need okay. to do is say, hey, best car, Chicago. Next best yep. car, we're going to take it to Dover. Great short track car, we're going to take it to New Hampshire. Honestly, pointing their way through is going to be difficult. I think they need to try to catch lightning in a bottle one more time. Remember, a win, and they're in the round two no matter how many points they have. Right. And evolution takes place throughout the entire year. Mm -hmm. So you never know who's going to find better speed toward the end of the year. We've seen it in many of these playoffs. Jimmy Johnson comes to mind, like, where did he <laughs> right. come from, right? Right. right? So they're continuing to evolve their cars. And once they got in the playoffs, you don't know their strategy. You don't know if their strategy was – okay, this is our situation. Let's do everything we can to get ready for this. Mm -hmm. You don't know what they did. So there will be a team that steps up. There's no question. There's always a team that steps up. We just don't know who that's going to be. But if any of those teams is going to move forward without help 
from mechanical issues and wrecks from other, their competition, they're going to have to build better race cars. They're going to have to do a better job of bringing speed to the racetrack. Well, then, meanwhile, the guys who are sitting at the top of that chart, now, are they not bringing their best equipment right now? Are they saving it and stockpiling? I think they are. I think when you look at Martin Truex Jr., I wouldn't have my best intermediate car at Darlington. That thing would be sitting over there getting really, really polished on, ready to go to Chicago, maybe one extra trip to the wind tunnel. Kyle Larson, the same idea. Jimmy Johnson, even down to Brad Keselowski. I think that they have earned the right to kind of not take these two weeks off performance-wise, but definitely move their equipment into the first round. Because I think when you look at Martin Truex Jr., the first round is purely about not eliminating yourself. I don't think he can be eliminated unless he does something really, really crazy. So they might actually be looking deeper in the playoffs. But the simple fact is sports are still... I mean, Appalachian beat Michigan, right? right? Anybody can win on any given day, and I think that's what makes sports the best reality television out there. And we can handicap the playoffs all we want, but the simple fact is if you or I had Ricky Stenhouse Jr. winning two races this year and Casey <laughs> Kane winning the Brickyard, then that was a heck of a trifecta because right. I'm not really sure he, he had that pick for the year. Yeah, we're going to Vegas tonight. <laughs> yeah. you know, listen, I, I, these playoffs are so hard to predict because one bad race, one, th one thing happens – one bad move of saying, okay, we think this new build is better, and it's not. Right. You, you just don't know. And, and, and that's why it's so captivating. That's why it's so much fun to watch is that you go into it thinking, that's the best team, right. and that team can't do it. And guess what? That team finds a way, and that team doesn't have a chance. Right. So you just don't know what's going to happen until they get on the race. I challenge anyone who said they had Jimmy Johnson Last year. at Chicago because right. I didn't have him in my Final Four. I so. had him at around one. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, and we've yeah. seen in the last couple years mechanical issues – Hurt the 78 and the 48 last year, right. taking them out. So, um, yep, anything can happen. Well, coming up, it appears that Kyle Larson has found his groove again. Following his Michigan win, he had a top 10 run at Bristol. We'll hear it from the man himself when NASCAR America returns. Sunday at 3 Eastern on NBC, the NASCAR Xfinity Series races on the sprawling road course of Road America. And Sunday, September 3rd, it's throwback time as the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series takes on Darlington on NBCSN. Earlier today, Chip Ganassi Racing revealed first data as Kyle Larson's sponsor for the Talladega and Martinsville playoff races. And after the announcement at the NASCAR Hall of Fame, Dave Burns spoke with Larson. Well, certainly a big announcement today for Kyle Larson and Chip Ganassi Racing. Kyle, what does this announcement mean to you? It uh, means a lot. You know, first day to uh, come on board for our team is, is big. You know, uh, they're going to be on our car at Taudega and Martinsville, as well as the Martinsville Race. Uh, they're the title sponsors. So I'm excited for it. Hope we give them a couple good runs and, and try and build on that into, you know, next year. As we got to know them, it was kind of fun for me to hear them say, you know, there was no promise of winning when the deal was signed, but then you went out and busted off three. How good does that feel? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good to uh, to win and and uh, have them expect me to win. Um, you know, Taudega uh, and Martins are two tough ones for me, but um, been getting better at the super speedways. I almost won the 500 earlier this year, and then uh, Martins, I, I finished third at, I think, last year. So, um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Talk about recent history. Bristol wasn't a win for you, but afterwards uh, you felt it important to tweet positively about the other Kyle, Kyle Busch, someone you'll probably have to race for the championship. Why was that significant to you? 
Well, I just think Kyle is really, really good. And um, I think, you know, Bristol is probably the only track on our circuit where I feel like driver um, means more than car. And uh, he's always up front there, no matter what series he's in, what team he's raced for, he's always in the, the running for a win. And, um, yeah, I get to race them every week, obviously. But, um, yeah, he's just so good. And uh, hopefully we can start beating him a lot more. Well, and that will be important as the playoffs are coming. And it seems sort of like you, Truex, and Kyle. Is that how you see it, or is it much broader than that? Right now, I would view it more as Martin and Kyle. Um, I feel like, not that we fell off a little bit, I feel like the Toyotas had found a lot of speed or downforce or whatever in the last you know couple months. And um, I still think we're probably third best, um, but we got to keep working hard and uh, keep building on what we have. And... Um, you know, try and go for that championship. Where I think if we can, you know, we don't, I don't think you need to be the fastest every week to win the championship. I think you just need to be the smartest, most consistent uh, to get yourself to Homestead. And then I feel like Homestead's my best track. So if I can just get to the final four there, I'd, I think I would have the best shot at winning it. Speaking of working hard, I know that the crew will be in the, the time off here, the week off. Uh, are you going to be racing 25,000 sprint races, uh, sprint car races while you're off? I wish. Uh, I wish I was racing sprint car somewhere, but uh, Caitlin's got me talked into going uh, to Mexico for some vacation. So, um We'll get to, I don't like sand between my toes, or I don't like walking on beaches. I don't like any of that stuff, but I'm going to suck it up and go. So she's taking you out of your comfort zone. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, she likes beaches. I don't, but <laughs> I like dirt tracks. And, and she likes Kyle, which is a very good thing. And we're going to see him in a couple weeks at Darlington. Until then, think about what just happened here. Big announcement for Kyle in a bright future, as if it couldn't be much brighter. Man, I think I need to switch places. I'll, uh, I'll go hit the beach. All right, well, we talked about that compliment he paid Kyle Busch. Here it is on Twitter. Love him or hate him, I feel he is the most all-around talented driver I will ever witness in my lifetime. Congratulations, Kyle Busch. And then you see the goat there. Um, do you guys like the fact that, you know, here's a guy who's going to be racing for the championship, that he reaches out like that and, and pats the guy on the back? I do. Yeah. I think that one of the things that happens in, in our sport and every sport is that people don't get recognized for the talents they have while they're well, doing they're still, it. Mm -hmm. It's always after the fact, the Hall of Fame or whatever. Jimmy Johnson comes to mind. How many people say, oh, Jimmy Johnson, he's the greatest ever. Right. You, you don't want to give your competition uh, the respect because then you're saying he's better than you, right? So I like the fact that somebody can say, hey, he, he's maybe the greatest guy. He's not saying he can't be that. He's right. just saying that right, right now he's the guy, and I, I like that a lot. I think it's a lot of respect. Well, there was something else that Kyle said in the interview that really struck me. He said that at Bristol, the driver means more than the car. And, and the reason why I think that was an important note for me is in Friday at, at Bristol for qualifying, the 42 had a little bit of trouble making it through inspection. And that's really not a huge deal. Um, I've been a crew chief. You fight those battles. You try to win every inch you can. But I think you also have to understand that that inspection battle is a year-long process. Right. And, and while the templates are pretty black and white, just – getting things your way, whether you can get back in line, whether you can get through the inspection process a little quicker, all of those things build up over time. And I think while Kyle is, sounds to be mentally prepared for the playoffs, and I have no doubt that Chad Johnson has built great equipment for the playoffs, I do think that the 42 team needs to just be wise these next two weeks and not put themselves in any sort of disadvantage, whether it's right. trouble with NASCAR, whether it's just irritating other teams or, or NASCAR themselves. I think they need to just kind of – understand they've done a great job this season, Jeff, with a little adversity, with a few more penalties. Let's not rack one up here before the end of the regular season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they continue to push the envelope. Meanwhile, they've already got three wins. They're already in the playoffs. Well, another one helps them. 
And and the bottom line is it's going to be really difficult to win this championship. And anything you can do to get there, the first round for Kyle Larson and his team shouldn't be difficult. Right. But it's going to get, it's going to ratchet up as the rounds go. So any points you can get to move along in the playoffs, if you can get them, you need to have them. All right. Well, coming up, we'll hear from a member of Kyle Busch's winning crew in our pit crew review. Plus, what was NASCAR's reaction to pit road tactics from one of Bush's teammates? That's next here on NASCAR America. Why do they have to put the lobster on your plate and these freaking eyeballs yeah, are right true. there? That's true. <laughs> Would you rather be stuck on an island with Kyle Petty or Rutledge Wood? Oh, man. That... <laughs> I think I, I think I'm, I'm safer by myself. <laughs> to me, every time I have had a plan on a super speedway, it never works out. Do you so, believe them when they say we're going to do that? No. Do you think Look. we should be fined more? Yes. <laughs> what would you like to see fined? Like, How would you like I to see the fine? I think they fine? should get like a thousand points. And <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> I know you had a button on the dash that just puffed out white smoke or blew up your motor. Don't play with me. <laughs> I know. So you're saying Penske's Maui? No, I didn't say nothing. I didn't say nothing. I'm just saying. In trouble right here. I know. I know. I know. It's a good thing you don't drive anymore. Uh. Rhonda Moore wants to know. So you're given the NASCAR rulebook allowed to change, eliminate one rule. What do you pick? Ooh, um, the encumbered win. <laughs> <laughs> Now that's just a sample of what you can expect from our special Hall of Fame shows. NASCAR's best drivers joining our NBC drivers for a candid conversation about their lives. Tomorrow, our guest is Elliot Sadler, who will discuss his long NASCAR career, his racing roots, and driving for junior motorsports. That's tomorrow at 5 p.m. Eastern here on, on NASCAR America. is going to win in Bristol again. Kyle Busch, get out the broom. You just swept at Bristol. Ah, yeah! Hey, I'm Kenny Barber. I'm the rear tire carrier on the M&M's 18 Toyota. Tonight, we completed the sweep at Bristol. Actually, all of us pick crew members, we uh, pitted the truck on Wednesday, the Xfinity car last night. So this is a true sweep for pit crew and for Kyle. Great job, everybody. When we needed to, we uh, dug down deep and had some really good stops and, uh, and kept Kyle up where we needed to. What? For the second time this season, Kenny Barber and the 18 crew celebrated in Victory Lane Saturday night at Bristol. After Kyle Busch made his stop with just over 100 laps to go, he overcame handling problems and led the final 56 laps to claim his 20th National Series win at Bristol. During Saturday's race, another JGR driver, Denny Hamlin, was spotted slowing down at pit exit to try and get the preferred outside lane on restarts. But it didn't work out for Hamlin. And now NASCAR is looking into the practice. Just, I'd love one restart on the top. Um, I think the two restarts I had on the top were within the first, you know, 80 laps. After that, I was third on the bottom. Tried to get cute on a few restarts and... Um, Tried to brake check at the end of the pit road and ended up losing two spots and ended up on the bottom line anyway. Um, 
So I went outside the top 10 nearly every restart and had a battle back. What we saw go on that, that everybody's talking about was pretty obvious. Ironically, it didn't quite work out, but sometimes those things don't, right? But <laughs> no, that's not something that we want because, um, you know, we don't, we don't need, we don't need accidents at the end of pit row with people checking up. So we will, uh, we'll figure out how we're going to address that one and, um, and try to move on. All right, so things didn't work out for Denny as he was playing uh, his game on pit road. Meanwhile, I did see the 48 of Jimmy Johnson got back into the, uh, the end of uh, Chase Elliott. Could have been worse, caused only a little bit of damage. But what do you think of what Scott Miller said, that they're going to be looking into the issue? Well, I think it's ridiculous that NASCAR even considers they have to do anything about it. I mean, you have to remember, this is competition. And if a driver wants to step on the gas or step on the brake, that's up to him. I mean, if the driver steps on the gas and goes too fast, they penalize the driver. So I, I don't know how they can tell him to not go too slow. I uh I, mean, I know NASCAR has a responsibility to officiate the entire series and the event, but I think the rule book is thick enough in my mind, and the last thing we need is one more thing that could be some sort of judgment call. Yeah, I think NASCAR is sometimes gets themselves, they are in a bad position because they, they have to look at the safety of things as well. And the only reason you would even consider making a ruling on this would be in regard to safety and, you know, pit crew guys on the end of pit road, but... The problem with rules is you have to enforce them. Right. And the problem with enforcing them is how do you enforce them if a guy stalls his engine, you know, leaving right. his pit box? And how do you so so when you make a rule, you ha it has to be an enforceable rule so it can be fair. And I, I I I hope NASCAR can stay out of this. I hope they don't feel like they need to get involved in this. It doesn't happen very many racetracks. It's but Michigan, you know, but it right. Michigan, Martinsville, Bristol, probably. Yeah, and and but I just you know if they if they view it as a safety issue for the pit crew members. Then, that, then they'll be forced to act. Right. Yeah, but I and think there's other actions they could take. You can move the camera away from pit road and give the drivers give room. room more yeah, room. I mean, there's other things you could do. I guess that's what I'm saying is I agree with Jeff. A rule, just remember, a rule for great reasons is fine, but you can never guess all the unintended consequences. <laughs> right. Because as somebody who tried to find an advantage within the rules, I know that I learned to be a wordsmith as much as a crew chief. You read through the rule book and you, you kind of go through everywhere there's an advantage, right, Jeff? So, yeah. I'm not sure this is one they want to dive into. Meanwhile, it's it's a tough game to play, and we've seen how often it doesn't work out. Why do they try it so often? Well, everyone doesn't. There's just a few that do, and, and you and I kind of had a little snicker. I had a snicker for sure because sometimes it's good <laughs> to see somebody that kind of outsmarts themselves. I know Danny Hamlin well, and I'll pick on him more than just on this show. I plan on sending him a text and say, hey, you went from row three to row five. That didn't work that well. You can see he was almost right. making fun of himself. Like, man, that didn't work out like it's I a, thought. It's, that's a hard thing to do. I mean, right. your spotter has got to be spot on. And you as a driver, you can't see who stayed on who stayed on the racetrack. You, you can't do that yourself. So your spotter's got to be involved. I mean, listen, I will never blame a driver or a crew chief or a, a spotter for trying to get an advantage. Right? right? It's so competitive. Uh, you know, these games haven't worked that often. They have worked a few times. But... Again, I, I the back to the rule part of it. I just how many you know I hear people on you know I hear fans say, well, why don't they just do this? <laughs> because when they just do that, a lot of things happen. I mean, it's amazing when you make a ruling, how many things that you don't understand can happen happen. Right. And a, a rule on something like that would be very difficult to enforce. I love it when they get it just right, and then a driver ahead of them gets busted for speeding, and it screws up the whole system. All right, coming up, what everyone seems to be talking about today. The rare and historic solar eclipse. NASCAR joined in the fun as well, and we'll talk about it next. NASCAR America is brought to you by new Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for one full year. 
We'll leave it to Eddie Gossage to take full advantage of the first solar eclipse in nearly 40 years. Texas Motor Speedway hosted an eclipse party for the Speedway staff of about 80 employees in the track's infield, with the eclipse itself being shown on Big Hoss, the world's largest HDTV. For the party, menu featured out of this world, Dickie's barbecue sandwiches, Krispy Kreme limited edition solar eclipse donuts, moon pies, and of course, sun chips. Now between 200 and 300 visitors also watched the eclipse from Texas Motor Speedway infield, and it kind of seemed like everyone in NASCAR really was getting in on it. Obviously, you two included. I was in Uptown Charlotte. It got dark enough to turn on the streetlights. Bugs started chirping. It was it was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. It's up where I live, it, the interstate goes by the lake, and the lake was full. The place to be up where I live was out on a boat. <laughs> uh, it was chaos, which is a good way to describe it, but I've never seen so many people wearing funny paper sunglasses <laughs> staring at the sky in my life. Yeah, Kim and I were... Uh... We, we had a, a uh, date by the pool with our glasses on. I'm like, if somebody could see us right now. You know? <laughs> and it's funny that where you live, it's funny how when all the boats are on the lake, the interstate stops. That's how it works. Right, yeah, right. It's, it's, well, so. I didn't get invited to a boat party or a pool party. You got um, the cicadas. Yeah, well, you, I mean. but what I like is you look through the, the pictures. I like the uh, the people who use, like, welding masks. Like, just Well, that's the NASCAR <laughs> way to watch an eclipse. And then, of course, there's certain people like Clint Boyer who decided that he wasn't going to have any time. There's your welding there's, mask. Yeah, there's but then true. He, he was... You know, I think he got a little confused with the solar eclipse and a total eclipse. So this was Clint Boyer's funny way of letting you know, well, there's a total eclipse. So and it's a good chance that Clint Boyer totaled that eclipse <laughs> in some form of fashion. Hey, it was good to see everyone uh, practicing safety first and with the glasses. Good. It was good, but it was fun. It's always fun. I mean, it was just down the street here in Charleston and Greenville. So uh, now we'll see. We heard about this traffic jam, this chaos. We're going to see it here in a little <laughs> right, bit see if we can right. get home. No, we were lucky here in, uh, in Charlotte because we're not that far out of the path of totality. So we got totality. like... Totality. That's yes, a big word. A I big didn't word. try to tackle it today, but a lot of guys had to Four use syllable it. Four syllables. Uh, yeah, so we, yeah, we got 97%. And I'll tell you, I couldn't find any glasses because you guys had obviously bought them all up and uh, people were so nice out in the streets of Charlotte that they would just let you grab their glasses and and have a quick look and it was well, kind of like one big party here in the city in full disclosure I didn't completely trust these glasses <laughs> so I'd look up and then I'd oh that's enough because <laughs> I figure anything that you buy that's made of cardboard Are and some rated? sort of Oh, rated? So, uh, oh, so wait, wait, you know wait. why? Okay, let me know. just tell Oh, no, they do. No, they are. It. You've got the ISO So here's my question, glasses. though. So you people have been good. told to eat well and exercise forever. Right. And no one does it, or very few. But when the people on the news say, buy your glasses or you may go blind, these things, people, you couldn't find them. They weren't in any single them. store. But it was good. It was fun time. My kids were already back in school, and it was serious. I had, like, five emails permission slips, check boxes, a lot of things to let my kids <laughs> land the field and look at the sun. Well, it was potentially a once-in-a-lifetime event. The last full one was about 100 years ago. Well, I'm going to save mine because the next trip <laughs> Save you five far. bucks. Yeah. All right, guys, that's all for NASCAR America. For all of your NASCAR news, log on to NBCSports.com slash NASCAR. We'll be back Tuesday at 5 p.m. from the Hall of Fame with Elliot Sadler. Thanks for watching. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.